almost no one raises the real issue of tax avoidance, right? And of the rich just not paying their fair share. I mean, it feels like I'm at a firefighters conference and no one's allowed to speak about water. Today we walk into this house with an iconic South African plant, the Alu Ferox. We must take the bitter with the sweet. It is a matter that uh, uh, is under consideration. And all I would say is that watch this space. Welcome to this week's episode of the SA Money Report. This financial podcast is brought to you by Fin24 and hosted by Deputy Editor Ahmed Arif. The world is a volatile place. And us as people living in it clearly understand that in our bones. That's why when bad things happen, even when you try and anticipate them, it's hard not to be shocked. As journalists, we anticipate a range of possibilities. And I can tell you a lot of us were shocked when it was announced recently that progressive news website Newframe was abruptly being shut down. Like Independent, Iqbal Survey and the saga of the Tembisa 10, it's never nice when the people that report the news end up becoming the news. Newframe was fresh and seemed like it had something to say. And now we have a site that championed the rights of workers dealing with vocal and upset workers. Helping us to chart its rise and fall is Fin24's investigative reporter, Jan Cronier. Let's start at the beginning. What was Newframe and what did it say it was created to achieve and why? Yeah, Newframe was a online South African news website founded about four years ago with a focus on in-depth and long-form journalism. As you, as you mentioned in your intro, it, it broadly reported news from a progressive or, or leftist outlook. Ahmed, it tried to carve a niche for itself by staying away from, from chasing the news cycle and publishing hot takes and um, loads of opinion pieces. Um, its tagline was, we chase quality, not clicks. Yeah, all of a sudden, and quite unexpectedly, a seemingly thriving news site was shut down. What happened and why? I mean, the demise was very sudden. Last month, new framed journalists were still working on stories. And as of this week, most of them have signed retrenchment contracts. Now, what happened, according to new frames owners, is that the site was unable to get more donor funding. It seems that donors were almost its sole source of revenue, Ahmed. Um, it didn't have a paywall. There was no subscription service. Um, it didn't have much or any advertising. So when funders, or, or the funder in this case, decided to stop supporting it, the site essentially collapsed. Ahmed, it had about 25 full-time journalists on its payroll and more freelancers. So obviously staff were understandably unhappy that they all lost their jobs so suddenly. But their ire goes so much deeper than that. And there's a lot of suspicion happening. What are staff saying? On one hand, staff are and were angry that the site's finances were managed so poorly that it was seemingly reliant on a single donor. Staff we spoke to said that while they were broadly aware of the need to cut costs, this announcement that they were shutting down immediately, the same day as the announcement was made on the, on the first of this month, nevertheless came as a, as a shock, a bolt out of the blue. The public announcement that was made 
um, that the site was shutting down was an unsigned editorial published on July 4. But it didn't specifically say that the site was um, going to stop publishing. It just said the site was, quote, stepping back to, quote, reimagine how journalism can and should be done. Now, now em employees said the editorial was vague. They said it was confusing. And it didn't answer the questions that they wanted answered. And that was... Who is the donor or donors? Why had they pulled funding? How long had the owners known that funding was going to be stopping? And uh, importantly, why had the owners not put in any contingency plans for exactly this reason? If, as many of the staff suspected at the time, it was true that there was a single donor, um, surely this was something that the um, site's owners should have planned for. Jan, obviously now the retained staff have stopped talking altogether. What pushed them to agree to not say anything? Also, And also, since Newframe pretty much no longer exists, what is there to hide here? Right, good question, Ahmed. Um, we've been speaking to a number of staff over, over the past weeks, and recently uh, we've been informed that um, staff, most of the staff, have signed confidential settlements. Uh, which include non-disparagement clauses. Now, I don't think non-disparagement clauses are something that you often find in journalism. It's the first time that I've heard of them in the South African context, at least. Um, Richard Pithouse, the site's founder and, and editor-in-chief, confirmed to us that the settlements are confidential, um, says that um, he can't actually say what's in them one way or another. Now, um, Richard didn't specifically refer to the non-disparagement clauses. But um, such, what such clauses mean, Ahmed, is that the staff can't criticize Newframe or its owners. Jan, to the crux of the matter, Newframe hasn't really put the name of its main donor or funder out there. What do we know about this person? Who is this person? You're right that this seems to have become the crux of the matter in recent days and weeks. Uh, and there's been quite a lot of media interest about who the donor is. Now, if Newfrain had been upfront about who its funder was, I suspect much of the hoo-ha around it could have been avoided. Um, after all, the media space is very difficult terrain to make money in at the moment. But, Ahmed, from the get-go, Newframe's owners were reluctant to talk about funding. And this came across to the employees as suspicious, and I think it's fair to say it came across as journalists who were covering the closure of a media publication as suspicious. But what we do know, and what uh, uh, Pithouse has confirmed, is that Roy Singham, uh, the founder of tech startup ThoughtWorks, has donated to the site. Now, as far as I'm aware, I made no evidence of other funders has come to light. The site did have the ability for members of the public to make donations, but that doesn't seem to have played much of a role. Now, questions around um, why Singham funded the site, uh, via what institutions he funded it, um, how much money he gave, why he cut ties, none of these have been have been answered, Ahmed. But we do know something about Singham. Um, in 2017, he sold his stake in ThoughtWorks, a software, uh, a tech company that provides software design and consulting services 
to a private equity firm for an undisclosed sum, but it was many hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and since then, he appears to have been focusing on, on at, at least part of his time on uh, a non-profit work, which includes funding non-profits around the world with a leftist uh, world outlook, with a leftist outlook, I'd say. Uh, but Singham himself, Ahmed, has almost no media presence, at least not since leaving ThoughtWorks. But there are some clues about his funding. Um, U.S. tax filings for um, a non-profit company that he appears to be involved in show that this company donated to New Frame's owners in 2018, um, as well as another company that shares its offices with uh, with the new frame. So there are those links, Ahmed, but um, still many questions remain about the funding, about the donors remain un- unanswered. So Jan, uh, in and around this whirlwind of news that's that's happening around new frame, well, what does Richard Pataf, the former editor, what does the non-profit then manage do? What does Singham say about all of this? How are, how are they defending all of this? Pataf has been fairly vocal um, about about. Uh, his views on New Frame, um, but I think they boil down to the argument that it closed for financial reasons. He said New Frame spent around 120 million over four years on the publication, but consistently struggled to build a readership. A quote he gave us, Ahmed, is painful fact is that while New Frame has consistently won impressive and sometimes moving accolades for its high quality, we have not been able to sustain an audience for our work. Um, the non-profit that owns New Frame, on the other hand, hasn't said much. I mean, it's put out a single statement. And in that statement, it said that uh, the closure was due to rapidly declining audience, meaning that the publication had become unsustainable. As for Singham and the foundations uh, that he supported, that he supported, I mean, they have said nothing. And I know I'm not the only um, journalist in South Africa that have tried to get comment. As far as I know, no one has been successful. Jan, uh, to bring us home, there's been some reports about ties between Singham and the National Union of Metal Workers of SA, who've obviously been in the news recently, and we just spoke about them last week on the show. What... What are the allegations about the ties between Singham and NUMSA? So there is evidence of links between companies supported by Singham and and NUMSA. Um, for example, I made that other company I mentioned that shared offices with New Frame was a group called Pan Africa Today, and the person that ran that group uh, called Vashna Yagarnat, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, is an office bearer in the Social Revolutionary Workers' Party, uh, which is the political party started by NUMSA. Um, she is also an um, advisor to NUMSA um, General Secretary Irvin Jim. Now, I mean, Pan-Africa Today has done work for NUMSA. It's done work for the SWRP. NUMSA, meanwhile, has said that it supports some organizations linked to Singham. For example, in its latest report, uh, which Ahmed was released just ahead of its Congress taking place this week in Cape Town, it name-checked both Pan-Africa Today and New Frame as organizations that it broadly supports. Um, Pithouse, Ahmed, has um, also responded to um, accusations that um, 
New Frame had links to NUMSA, um, that it was an influence operation of Singham. And what he has essentially said is that if this were true, there would be more evidence of it. He's said that in the four years that New Frame was operational, it did not take a strong editorial line supporting NUMSA. It, in fact, it rarely even wrote about NUMSA. Um, it only once or twice mentioned, mentioned the um, Socialist Revolutionary Workers Party in passing. Pitthouse has uh, tried to downplay uh, the importance of these links, saying that uh, you know they don't essentially mean anything. Um, New Frame was from the get-go independent. It wrote about workers, and when donor funding was pulled, it unfortunately had to close. This brings our show to an end. Thanks for your time, Jan. Thanks, Ahmed. The music in this episode is courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. This week's installment was produced with the help of Nakotrila Mnyati and Amy Gibbon. Thank you for listening.